Okay, now to our main topic that we're talking about today. Earlier, we talked that we would be looking at excellent games that didn't sell well and uh, bad games that did sell well. So um, I'm going to kick it off with my list of high-selling bad games. Um, this is more about games that we personally feel um, um, but sold crazy, whether it beats advertising, whatever. And each one of us is going to talk about why we think they sold well, even though they were bad, and with the opposite. Um, as to great games that didn't sell. So my first one that um, I, out of anticipation, is Destiny. Um, being that Bungie took it over, and, and most of us here are big Halo fans, um, we were all looking for this awesome series. They did a great job advertising. We heard about all the money they invested into it. Um, and in launch form, I really wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, I had a lot of issues with the grind that came after you finished some of the story, and as has been cataloged many times, Times by numerous places, the story was horrible. There really wasn't a story. You kind of jumped from a couple planets, and I had a huge issue with it. Um, it ended up selling crazy. Um, and this is, let me give you a couple numbers on this one. It's 12.64 million units, and that is before the DLC um, count that was added to it for the Taken King and the final uh, game. So I, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, Ains, Jordan, did you guys love Destiny, or am I the only one that didn't like it? Uh, you know, Destiny was... Uh a little painful for me i guess uh, i think that if i had been originally sold the correct bill of goods in terms of the advertising uh, i probably would have liked it better I, who knows i might not have even picked it up but I, the the problem that i have with destiny was that they advertised the game as being one thing and then when the game finally came out it was not all the things that they said that it was going to be so while i love the combat you know, of the game. I love the graphics. I love the feel of it. I, I love what it could have been at that point in time. It really left a bitter taste in my mouth just due to the fact that it wasn't what I was purchasing. It, it wasn't what I wanted to purchase based upon what they were telling me. So um, I broke away from the series after grinding and grinding and grinding because there was nothing else, you know, le left in the content. And I really haven't been back. I didn't buy any of the DLCs. Yeah, the funny part was uh, on our forum that we, we used to be a part of, and I think Jordan, you still are, on a different forum, we were talking about how bad the grind was in that game, and some people defended it. I think the thing that a lot of people loved in that game was the multiplayer aspect of it. You could go through stuff together, and after a while, you're just in the same things over and over. Um, how about you, Ains? Yeah, I'll try and keep this short. Um, huge Halo fan, we all know that, or at least uh, you guys know that. Sure, um, it doesn't give it away. <laughs> uh, so obviously coming into Destiny with my history with Bungie and, uh, you know, I played the beta Destiny with my son actually and we played it for like 40 hours, you know, the beta, tons of time into it, got the game, put a couple hundred hours into it. And then it dawned on me that uh, the multiplayer wasn't very good. Um, I did not like that it wasn't on servers, it felt delayed, it was small, it was shallow. Um, and then the grinding of, as, as uh, Jordan commented on, the grinding of materials to upgrade guns and just the repetitiveness of the strikes. And it, it just, at, at the end of the day, it almost uh, angers me that I put so much time into it because um, I just, yeah. At the end of the day, when you look at it and compare it to other uh, either MMOs or larger loot games, um, there's just so many better ones out there. Um, the gunplay and stuff, you know, the mechanics felt great, but... Um, for the rest of the game, I just, yeah, I never went back to it just like Jordan. I gave it up. You know, what yeah. was interesting, though, is um, one of the main reasons why I kind of actually, you know, gave up the game as well is, is because all the people that I was playing with also 
gave up the game. And I found that the main reasons as to why I was logging on to play Destiny was really more for the social aspects. Yep. You know, we had a bunch of my friends, a group of guys, we get on and, you know, we're just kind of just motoring through doing the same thing that we've done, you know, the same raid we've done like, you know, 15 times, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we're just kind of just, you know, chewing the fat and talking and joking around and stuff like that. So it almost is kind of weird that Destiny just really just became kind of a, a social game. And, and, and after a while, we just kind of just moved on to something else. You know, everybody just kind of flaked out and dropped off almost at the same time. Yeah. yeah, it became more of just a social chat almost. Yeah, it's like, the, it's like a chat room, like the old days when you type it out. Yeah. Um, and one thing I want to mention on Destiny is I was mentioning it in launch form. People ended up liking some of the changes that they did, which ended up being a negative for me. We spent so much time on it, um, and then they flipped a lot of the way the the armors and the guns and all the stuff that you could upgrade. So. I know that when the, was it the Taken King? And then there was one that followed up with it. Um, I actually didn't go back to it. I had too many other things to play to where I didn't want to do that. But I do want to mention launch form on that one. Um, my second one is Assassin's Creed Unity. Uh, funny enough, before we started, me and Jordan are our big Assassin's Creed guys. Ains, I don't think you even touched Unity. You're not the biggest uh, Assassin's Creed guy. But for some context, Assassin's Creed uh, was the first of the current generation, which at the time was the new or next generation. Um, tons of buildup. E3 it looked awesome. You, you had the character running through Paris looking awesome. Um, when the game came out, it was just a bug factory on every platform, including PC. Um, and it really upset me with how much anticipation I had for the game and how I was finally going to get to play this game and uh, the new, which is now the current generation. Uh, to kind of give you guys a heads up, this one did sell 8.2 uh, million units across all platforms, including PC. So it sold really, really well for how bad of a game it was. Looking back at to where we are today in the Assassin's Creed series, it's one of the worst when it comes to character and story and how bad and glitchy the game was. It's not the worst. Uh, me and Jordan kind of agree. There's some other ones that we, we disliked a little bit less. But from an overall series, it's it's one of the worst for me and one of the, the bad games of, of the high-selling thing. What, what are your thoughts, Jordan? I know we were just chatting about it. I, I, I really do agree. I, I I was very disappointed in Unity. Um, and, you know, I didn't even pick up Unity at launch. Yeah, I, I got it as a bundle deal. And a lot of the problems that you're describing were still in the game after I picked it up in the bundle. Uh, so uh, it was a, just a disappointment in terms of uh, the graphics. Uh, I mean, not the graphics, but the how there was graphical slowdown, uh, rubber banding in the game. The combat was not very inspiring. I didn't really like the character too much. Um, I just thought it was just a, you know, just a half effort, you know, really uh, by the developers compared to uh, the work that they had done in previous titles, especially after Black Flag. That was the the first title after Black Flag, if I'm correct. And yep. you know, Black Flag was just so well done, I felt, and it just felt like a a, a bitter disappointment to, to have. But once I once I finished with it, I I didn't I never went back to it. Yep, Ains. Uh, yeah, I do own Unity. I bought it for a dollar and thirty cents. That is not. <laughs> there you go. That is not a joke. Um, and yet, I've still never played it, so it was a waste of a dollar and thirty cents. Um, no, I never played it. I heard the horror stories, of course. Uh, I did play Black Flag for a while. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was good, and I've heard amazing things about Syndicate, which I also own and have not played. Um, but Unity, yeah, I don't really have much to add on this one. I just uh, heard the horror stories. 
Yeah, moving on, and, and one last thing before moving on. This is when um, Ubisoft was releasing an Assassin's Creed on a yearly basis. Um, so we would get something new, and I it just I think it was rushed. They were trying to make that launch window of the PS4 and the Xbox One launch, um, and yeah. in doing so, they kind of got hurt on that one. They should have spent more time on it. Um, my last one uh, before moving over to Jordan, um, and I'll and this one's really quick is uh, the division. Um, when the and once again, this is the launch form. I know they've changed it and made a lot of improvements, but when the uh, Xbox One and and PlayStation Four were debuting at E3, the division was one of the games that they showcased. And looking back at that E3, uh, the division looked amazing. Um, everything from the mechanics to the, the damage that could be done behind the vehicles they were hiding, and you could shoot through windows through them and, and do all kinds of great stuff and, and communication with your team. Um, when the final game came out, it was very different. Um, and this might be the Ubisoft uh, curse that happened during that time. Like with Watch Dogs, they would show something and the final product was not what was showcased. And I was really upset with it. I didn't lots of glitches that were happening. I, w I actually have some videos of shooting an entire person um, and none of it registering, uh, whether that be lag or something broken in the game, it was a huge letdown. And I felt like each character was just a rehash of the previous character, but just more of a bullet sponge. Um, Ains, let's start with you this time. I know you had kind of a different experience because you played more of a social side of it. Um, what are your thoughts on the launch form of The Division? Yeah, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a Division defender, but I did put uh, few hundred hours into it and actually had a pretty good time with it uh, but I will say that everything you said is true it had a lot of bugs it didn't look like the initial launch video um, there were weird rubber banding things uh, bullet sponges in the characters you know bad enemy design in a lot of ways and so it had a lot of issues but I think what kind of sucked me into it is the city was done real well um, the loot which was pretty good to start really got good as time went on you know they started creating gear sets and, and all these other things and different ways to get them and the dark zone could be hit or miss as well but I did play it socially with some friends and we enjoyed it quite a bit so I, I'm I'm torn I did have the gold edition so I have played survival in fact I wrote an article for survival on the site and uh, you know some of the other modes and stuff and so they they really did just like destiny the game is very different now than it was at launch but um, at launch, I did enjoy it, but I, I see why a lot of people dropped off of it rather quickly. Yep, Jordan, did you touch that one? I can't remember if you played it or not. Yes, I did. I um I bought the division at launch, uh, and a group of my friends also got it as well. Um, you know, interestingly, I actually enjoyed the division when it first came out. I think that there are really two aspects to look at the game. One was the single player story you know aspect of it if you went through the story missions and things like that i thought it was very well done and how they you know fleshed out the missions and you know the side missions uh the storylines that were going on and just the entire situation of what was happening in, in new york and if you actually really paid attention and read through some of the content and the pickups you know you're able to kind of figure out what exactly was going on and it actually came across as extremely realistic um, as to what would occur in, in, in that particular situation. So I, I really enjoyed the, the realistic aspects of that. I think that, you know, whether the game really suffered a problem, though, was people's expectations were not being met based upon what the video was. And probably the biggest complaint was that all the enemies and the bosses were like bullet sponges. I yeah. know what Ubisoft was basically trying to do. They were trying to, you know, sort of like, I guess you can say be like a destiny. You know, they didn't want to just have people just roll through the game and, you know, shoot somebody two or three times and then they're dead. Uh, that's what I'm guessing. 
uh, but it wasn't received very well um, based upon everything else being realistic and Tom Clancy's name being attached to it. And, you know, uh, people didn't really like that aspect. Um, the other problem that I think that the game had is that people burned through the content relatively quick. And then once that was done, there really was no no real good end game. And you ended, you ended up doing the grind. It was the same thing every single day, over and over and over. Uh, during launch, I mean, I just got to say, I thought the Dark Zone was total ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, you had griefers that were in. It was just, it just, I don't think it was very well fleshed out at the time. Um, you had a bunch of guys that had leveled up to ridiculous levels and, you know, were going in and trolling all the guys that were like level one and level two. And so, so, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was sort of that thing. There were a couple of exploits as well. I thought that the game was, was good initially. Um, but as Ain said, you know, I, I played it for a set period of time. And then when I was done with it, I was done. You know, I haven't gone back even with all the new big changes and the huge patches and stuff like that. And because all my friends are gone again, that social aspect, I, I didn't feel a reason to go back. So, Bert, let me comment real quick on that, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, yeah so Jordan made a couple good points there. So the story uh, actually was quite good. And to his point, if you actually picked up all the intel and the things you could find around the city, the phones um, along and, and did the final mission, you know, through everything, uh, it actually had a really, really good ending and epilogue as well. So that I thought I agree completely that that was good. And the um, the point about the end game is correct as well, you know, and, and that's something they made a lot better. You know, with the DLC, I guess, similar to Destiny, um, but in launch form, it was pretty bad. There, there was, um, oh, the other point about the bullet sponges. Yeah, what they were going for is if you think about something like Diablo or a typical ARPG where you have mobs of players and, you know, you build up your your uh, <clears throat> your kits or your builds, but you can't just kill people in one hit, right? Because you, you're fighting, say, legendary creatures or things that are going to take 20, 30, 40 hits of a group. And that's what they were trying to replicate in the division is that ARPG kind of, you know, taking out mobs. The problem, as Jordan said, is because it was Tom Clancy and people looked at the game as being realistic when it took more than three, four or five shots to kill something. A lot of players were turned off of that. And um, I don't think they were correctly kind of correlating what the gameplay was supposed to represent. And I think that was a big issue for a lot of people. And one more point as well. I, I think that uh, when the game launched, there were no raids. Um, right. if I'm, yeah, that's when correct. Raids did come out, they were awful, uh, and they were they were again not what people were expecting because it ended up being at least initially it was just horde mode, you know. So you basically sit in a room and you just get wave after wave after wave, you know, you know, of these head knockers that were coming in to try to wipe you and your your team out, and it always felt like. Um, you had to come up with some type of exploit or novel way of, of basically defending against, you know, these hordes. And it wasn't very fun after the, after the third, fourth time. And the, and the final point I want to make is, is I don't think that the loot itemization at that level was really good. Um, you know, you go and you do, I did this one horde, uh, the, the first raid, I don't know, God, like maybe 25 times, you know, and I could never get the kit that I wanted you know, completely. And then, you know, I go and I jump in with this one guy and he gets it the first try and it was the whole same destiny thing all over again, you know, where you, you run a raid like 15 times trying to, you know, finish a set or trying to get this one weapon or whatever. And, 
you know, you can never get it. But then one dude, newbie that you're, you know, bringing through, this is my first time going through, go, oh, hey, look, I got the Uber Duber weapon or, you know, whatever piece of armor. And you're like, oh, come on. And that was very frustrating as well. Right. Yeah. And one thing that I guess I could uh, conclude my high selling bad games with is a lot of these games were really bad in launch form. Um, a lot of people bought them, but a lot of people didn't come back after the fixes had gone through. So kind of keep in mind for developers when they de when they delay a game, it could be a good thing. Um, so we should embrace that a little bit more than we do instead of getting butthurt about it. Um, lastly, <laughs> uh, The Division um, did, ended up, did end up selling 7.27 million was a huge win for Ubi. Um, I know that they sell pretty well anyways, but it's one of their higher selling games this generation. Uh, Jordan, what are your uh, great games that, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that is right. Um, bad, uh, fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> great, uh, high selling bad games. High selling bad games, I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> high selling bad games. Uh, well, you know, I, I know I'm about to really kind of step into it um, with the, well, you know what? I'll I'll keep those for last. My my first uh, awful selling is I'm gonna go back a ways. You know, for this one uh, was a game that I played a long time ago called Enter the Matrix. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of people you know may, might not have ever played the game. I don't know, but this was back when the Matrix movies were like really hot selling. I believe that Enter the Matrix came out after the Matrix Two, if I'm correct. Because uh, it had Jada Pickett and some other guy who I don't even know playing as the main characters of the game, uh, and you know I'm just gonna you know cut to the chase. That game was a candy-coated turd. I, there was nothing good about that game whatsoever. Uh, the, the combat was bad. The graphics were shoddy. Uh, it was lackluster play. It was a stupid story. Uh, you know it was buggy as all get out, and. You know, people flocked to that game because the the game the movie was so hot at the time. And I, if I want to remember correctly, that game sold like over five million copies, you know, back then, which was an insane amount for a game that was just really, really horrible. Uh, so that was an awful game that just like you know I felt sold like crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know if um, you guys played that one. I did play it. I got it on um, the original Xbox when it came out, and I, I was a Matrix nut when that whole series came out, so I liked it a lot. I, I remember one of the draws to it is you could see what um, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, and I can't remember the other guy's uh, name in the movie. Nobody does. Doing... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Asian guy, I'm just going to yeah. go stereotype it, was doing, um, during uh, the, what Neo was doing. And the funny enough, when the Neo sequel to Into the Matrix came out, a lot of people were so turned off from Into the Matrix, they didn't buy it. I was one of those people, and I heard it was a lot better. It was I, I agree with you, it was kind of a funny game. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I never played it, guys, so I don't really have a whole lot to say here. I, I do remember yeah. the fallout from when it released, and it, uh, you know, it, it seemed to have uh, the issues associated with a licensed product, and that they probably tried to rush it to market at a certain time period to capitalize on the Matrix name at the time, and you know that never never ends well. So it didn't. Well, yeah, it Jordan. ended well for their pocketbooks, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jordan, you were right. It was 5 million units across all platforms. So PS2, Xbox, GameCube, and PC. So that's pretty good for that generation. Yes, it was. I mean, I, 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 it sold like crazy amounts, amounts of copies um, you know, for that time period. Um, uh, and I'm going to kind of you know, uh, blend the next two together. Because <laughs> 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 Because I know that I'm, I'm probably going to catch a lot of heat for this, uh, but um, 
Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and, and just say it. I, I think that, uh, you know, two um, franchises, you know, really that are kind of awful, but that they keep selling would be the Call of Duty franchise and uh, EA Sports Games franchise. Now, now, you know, I'm, I, I know that I'm going to, you know, probably get hammered on this, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a lot. But, you know, I, I, I want to back up and I want to say, you know, different people. I guess have different criteria, you know, for games. I mean, I play games for, you know, a particular reason. Obviously, you know, you want to have the good graphics, you want to have fun, and and, and things like that, and and that's great. And it's going to escape. It's a social uh, element to it as well, um, you know. But I also like to see games that, you know, are innovative and that they push the envelope. And the problem that I have, I guess, with those franchises is that every single last one they come out with, it's the same game. It's the same game every single year. You know, they come out with a new Call of Duty. It's, it's, guys, it's, it's the same game. And I don't feel as if there's a whole lot of innovation with it. And they, and it sells like, those, those games sell like gangbusters. On the Call of Duty side, the, the problem I, I think I have with it is, is it, I think it's, it's really sort of dumbed down the first person shooter uh, genre a bit because everybody else is trying to sort of want to replicate that success. So you have a lot of, Call of Duty like clones, or they don't release anything at all because they say, "Do Call of Duty's coming out for Christmas? We can't really compete against that. So what's the point?" You know. So I, you know, I, that's why when you see a game like, for example, you know, Prey, which didn't have a multiplayer aspect to it, but it was a first, it was sort of a first-person type game. That's almost like a risky proposition in 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 the you know post Call of Duty era. Or the current Call of Duty era, rather, and with the EA Sports games, you know, for me, it's the same game. They just changed the roster. They just changed, you know, the the date on the box. They, you know, throw some other dude's picture on there and they call it a day. They might add a couple little tweaks to the gameplay, but it generally is the same. It's the same game. I can I feel as if I could, if I picked up Madden 2000 and I picked up Madden 2017, there would be very little distinction between the two, and I would be able to pick right up where I where I left off. Uh, again, I understand the, the, the last bug of it. These games are huge money makers, massive money makers. Um, but I really don't feel as if there's been any change here. It, it'd almost be like it'd be like having a, you know a, a new Star Wars movie release every single year, and that Star Wars movie is a New Hope, but just different characters every single year. Yet after you know after like five, six, seven years, I would figure that they would move on to something else, and they just haven't, in my opinion. Ains, why did you go first on this one? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so some of the things there I agree with, some I don't. Um, let's start with let's start with Call of Duty. So I I am a I'm I'm not a Call of Duty defender. I don't buy it every year. Um, I do buy it on occasion. And uh, World War II, I think this year's Call of Duty looks to be the most interesting in a while. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out. But I do agree with Jordan in the sense that because Call of Duty has sold so well and because it's become such a uh, phenomenon in, in, in the social scene, if you will, um, it has led some companies to go down a route of trying to, to mimic that design um, where I don't think they should have. You know, uh, just one example as, as a, as a uh, for instance, is uh, Halo 4 multiplayer. And I, I'm coming back to Halo, but when uh, 343 took over and they kind of went to uh, redesign multiplayer. There were a lot of features in Halo 4 multiplayer at launch that people said was Call of Duty-fied, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? Um, 
And uh, I caught a lot of flack for that. You know, I mean, a lot of the Halo community turned on it real quickly for for dumbing down what they considered a very hardcore or, or near hardcore, you know, uh, first person shooter. So I don't know. I do. I do think it was the right move for Activision to at least put three companies behind the Call of Duty franchise and to give them three years of development. I think that has helped over the past couple years uh, at least bring something new to the campaigns. But even those I'm, I'm torn on. Infinity Warfare's campaign was actually surprisingly pretty good, and I, I've spoken about that one before. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of mixed on Call of Duty. On EA Sports games, I, I think, again, you make a good point. Um, I think one of the most disappointing things in the sports game kind of arena is, is just the licensing. You know, there was a time where we used to get several different football and hockey and basketball games on an annual basis. You know, if you remember NFL Fever on the original Xbox. Oh, wow. um, way back there. That's a great game. Yeah, it, it was. And then you had Madden and you had NFL 2K and I think anyone who games or has game for the past decade plus knows NFL 2K5 and how amazing that game was at the time. And then, you know, EA pulled the rug out from them by signing the exclusive deal with the NFL. And I think that's a problem, right? Uh, they re-upped that, that, yeah, they re-upped that contract for 10 years. So, you know, there's only Madden in the NFL scene. There's only NHL in the hockey scene. And, uh, if you look at basketball, it's a perfect example, right? Because the basketball license was still able to be uh, bought by multiple companies, and 2K actually produced such a better product than EA that EA dr- stopped making uh, NBA Live for a couple years. To, mm-hmm. to, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the perfect example. So I think the lack of competition in that arena, which is funny as we're talking about sports games, um, is sad. And I, I wish that the NFL and NHL and um, NBA and all the major kind of sports licenses would not make these exclusive agreements. And it, as always, especially with sports, it comes down to money. You know, I actually heard a, a report the other day, just yesterday on one of the other podcasts I listened to, that the NFL's uh, agreement with EA is the second most lucrative deal they have behind TV. So wow. it's, some, it's something like $50 million a year that EA pays them for that license. Um, so it just goes to show you, one, how many copies Madden sells. You know, it sells absolutely incredible every year. Um, but that the team who makes Madden, to further Jordan's point, the team that makes that is very small. It's a very small, dedicated team. So if you think about how much money they're spending, how much money they're making, and what they're probably paying to do that, it's just they're probably paying more to get the license than they are to develop the game by a long shot. And that's... That's just, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that. But, you know, I'm a sucker for NHL. I've talked about it. I'm, um, I played NHL last night. That's why I look like I do today, because I was drinking and playing NHL last night. So they're, they're good social <laughs> games in that in that construct. But, um, you know, I really wish there were more competition in the sports game arena. And I'm sorry hey, for rambling on there. I'm done. No, no, no. And, and you know, you, you bring across a good point, because that was one of the main reasons, you know, as far as EA is concerned why I had a problem with EA and, and you're absolutely right. It's because, you know, they literally, they control it all practically. Yeah. In terms of, of the sports arena, I mean, golf, soccer, hockey, football. Um, I guess you can say basketball. Have, have they bought, they, they bought NBA live back. Oh, uh, they brought NBA live back. It's coming back again this year with some new features, but NBA yeah. 2K is actually considered the pinnacle. Like, for yeah, yeah, that is. And, and that's a good example of, you know, why I feel as if, you know those 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 licenses actually really I think they they killed the innovation of the game. Yeah. EA doesn't have to do anything else because they're they've got a cash cow. These people are going to buy 
that game because they don't have any options to obtain that content and obtain that type of gameplay anyplace else. Exactly. So the reason why the team is so small is, is you basically got a bunch of guys that are, you know, updating a database. <laughs> oh boy the, the, the wellivers love you today I, like can tell you that spreadsheet. I mean okay so who do we change okay this guy is a year older uh this dude had a kind of a sucky season let's let's notch him from an eight down to a seven yeah and, and they go and they go through that spreadsheet they hand it to somebody the guys compile it throw it in the game it's the same graphics from last year it, you know we got to add a new feature okay uh change the way that you know the quarterback you know sort of uh can you know they you know, throw the ball on a particular play and then they, they throw that thing out and it, it, you know people eat it up so uh, the only last comment i'll make is that i do appreciate um what ea is trying with uh, fifa last year the journey and what they seem to be trying this year with the uh what's the story but the long shot is it in the uh madden 18 um where it's kind of like a single player story mode so I think if they if those are actually good, and I didn't play FIFA 17's Journey, but if those are good and they have some uh, longevity to them, you know, if they're six to eight hours or ten hours, and they they are well produced, I think that is one thing that uh, we could point at being kind of uh, innovative. But everything else we've said, I I kind of think stands. <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be really quick since you guys rambled <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, so really quick on the EA Sports stuff, uh, the the exclusivity that has been signed, I think, is kind of like the cancer of, of gaming right now. And we saw that with the cars. EA once again did it with Porsche, and we had to wait for that happening in our other racing games, whether you're a Gran Turismo or a Forza or a Project Cars guy. That really changed up for us quite a bit, and it really sucked. Um, but one of the things that's happening with the sports franchises, when they do have that uh, thing, it really kills it, as you guys were saying. But good examples of when there is competition. So FIFA we were talking about. Um, they don't have the exclusive, um, you know, license for specific leagues because obviously the leagues around the world are really different. You have La Liga, you have the uh, EPL, then you have the American League. And so they're still a competitor and it's pro evolution soccer. The one thing that they don't have the rights to is people's um, teams. So they can kind of make a copy of a team and still go along with it. And so pro evolution soccer is, is pushing the FIFA franchise to be better every single year. And FIFA actually sells a lot more worldwide than Madden does, obviously, which is even crazier when you think of how many units Madden sells because it only really sells well here in the States. Um, outside of the world, FIFA is the highest selling game in all, all, across all platforms. So it's kind of crazy how... Um, and the funny thing was, is when you guys were talking about 2K, I actually preferred 2K over Madden dating back to maybe the mid-90s. Um, and then when they got taken away, uh, Madden was the only thing. I gave it a try a couple times, but I, I still have yet to buy a new Madden game unless it's free on EA Access. I'll, I'll try it out. Hey, has anything changed? No, as, as Jordan said, they, they gave Tom Brady a 98 this year versus a 97 the year before. Um, for well, he should be like a 73, am I right? <laughs> I'm going to move over to the next game I was going to talk about. Um, but So one of the things that is kind of funny, though, is I did enjoy the NBA Live series in the SNES and uh, Genesis time. I, I would play NBA Live all the time. And, and the two, uh, PlayStation 1 when they're the yeah, 3D. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then 2K came along, once again, competition. And then everybody moved over to 2K, and I was a big basketball guy for a long time. Um, and I stuck with 2K. And then, funny enough, let's see if NBA Live 
actually releases this year. If we remember the previous years, it was all done. They had it at E3, and then they canceled it two months before it launched because it was so bad compared to NBA 2K. Um, so I'd be interested to see what happens with that. But um, one of the things that doesn't have a, a franchise on it is uh, I think actually Sony owns the rights for, ML for MLB. Ains, do you know about that one? They do. You know that? They do. So they're a really great game if you're a baseball person so they actually have done great things with it it's not getting the uh, the innovation that we would like um, when there is competition but it is kind of weird across all sports how ea holds, holds things and uh, makes things worse in a lot of areas so i hope that in the future um that will change however i don't think so once again as we've all said it's about money um moving over to the uh call of duty stuff um yeah I've always been the guy that says Call of Duty versus Battlefield is not a fair comparison for either one. They're both very different games. They're just the big names. However, one thing that um, I do buy most of the Call of Duties because of maybe the uh, Destiny type talk we were talking about before where it turns into more of a social thing versus um, I love the game. I am definitely don't love every Call of Duty, but what Call of Duty has done that's kind of interesting is they've got two different studios working on it and they kind of switch every other year. Three. Um, and Oh uh, yeah, three now. Uh, it was Infinity Ward, Sledgehammer, and um, Triarch. Tri uh, Triarch, yeah. So it's kind of weird how they're doing that now. <laughs> and one of the things that's interesting is that they keep moving throughout different eras. So for a long time, we were stuck with nothing but World War II games. Um, people got sick of it, so they tried to move to the future. Then they went to the 70s, and then now we're back at World War II because people wanted that back after complaining that that's all we were playing. Um, one of the things that I do think is kind of cool is they added zombies to it, and people are live and die by zombies over normal Call of Duty. I've heard of people that buy Call of Duty just to play zombies. Um, a lot of people buy it just for multiplayer. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm not a huge defender of it, but I, I do think that they're fun and mindless because of the auto-aim and kind of the twitch shooter type thing. So if you're looking for something that you can socialize and kind of have no-brainer fun, uh, I think that's where it is. <laughs> but um, I, I understand where you're coming from, Jordan, um, but we'll be playing World War II together coming up, so just make sure you know that. Uh, okay. So, uh, and then, um, Jordan, did you want to close up on your... Uh, Great, or sorry, awful games that keep selling. Uh, that, that was that was really pretty much it. I, like I said, I I compressed the uh, both EA and and the Call of Duty franchise sort of together because, yeah, they were. I think that, as of right now, those are probably the biggest money makers right now in the gaming industry. Uh, I'm, if I'm gonna take a guess, yeah, as far they're as doing, they're doing pretty well. Yeah, as far as sales, and I and I, and again, I, not even just as far as annual sales. I would say that if you go and you take consistent sales across let's say the past i don't know decade you know and you said which franchises or which games have made the most money over the past decade i would have to say that you know probably you know ea sports games certain ea sports games like you said the, the fifa soccer and uh and the call of duty franchise have just made ridiculous amounts of money over the period of times and it's it, i always i felt like again if if i went back and i played those games 10 years ago <clears throat> the experience would probably be pretty much the exact same so Cool. That's Ains it. That's it for up. me. Ains are up. High selling bad games. Yeah, I'll keep mine short, guys, because we're we're going on, and you guys covered some bigger ones. Mine are a little uh, more obscure. So the first one, and I, I will get flack for this from some people, is uh, Shovel Knight. So Shovel Knight uh, was an indie game that came out. You know, it was no one thought too much about it at the at the launch, but then it got great reviews, and it started selling really well. Uh, they were surprised when they hit a million sales. It's now over one and a half million. I think nearing two million. Um, and it got a lot of praise from a lot of uh, publications for being, you know, like this great 
return to 8-bit um, kind of, you know, platforming and, and uh, puzzling, puzzle game. And uh, no, just no. It's, <laughs> I, uh, I can't disagree more. I, I bought the game. I, you know, I read all these reviews and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was uh, going to be this great kind of retro game. And, and frankly, I, I have no idea personally what, um, what these people are talking about. There's so many better indie games out there right now that are, um, that are better than Shovel Knight, in my opinion. I don't understand the fascination with it or why it keeps selling. You know, we've seen a, a Shovel Knight Amiibo now, you know, for the Nintendo, for the Wii U, and for the, uh, for the Switch. They have Shovel Knight was a character they put in ukulele out of nowhere. And he's just showing up everywhere, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Like, I, I maybe I'm the crazy one, but uh, the game is just—it's not good. I don't understand uh, the fascination with it. So, I think something good for you, Ains, to put in context is you're also a big—you're also a big platformer. So you're not just like the the casual guy that'll no, play. No, no, this this game should have been right up my alley, which is why I was so excited when I heard all these things. And I mean, I've played—I've been playing games since well before the 8-bit era. And I love platformers, especially 2D side-scrolling platforms. I've played hundreds and hundreds of them. And I, you know, if you look at a game like Rogue Legacy, which is another recent kind of indie title, that's a fantastic 2D platformer. Um, one of the best games I've played in, in years, actually, in that genre. And Shovel Knight is not even a shell of what Rogue Legacy is. So I don't know. I won't continue to go on. I just <laughs> I felt the need to mention it. I don't know if either of you guys played it by chance. Uh, I haven't. I'm ac I've actually... Uh, you said Shovel Knight, and I was like, Shovel Knight, what the hell is that? So I've been like, look, <laughs> I've been looking it up, you know, uh, and uh, you know, just obviously I haven't played the game, but um, it kind of reminds me of a Ghost and Goblins, uh, mm -hmm. a, a, a Ghost and Goblins knockoff. Yeah, let's not insult those games though, because those are great that, games. That, <laughs> yeah, no, they were great games, but <laughs> I'm just looking at you know the, the, the graphics and the layout, and it doesn't really seem like much was done here <laughs> you know in, in terms of you know uh the the graphics and the screens and i don't know i mean no, again i'm only looking at, at still shots and things like that so i really can't say you know much about it but i don't know it, yeah it's very it's very nes era i mean that's what they were going for and in, in that vein they nailed it but all these other modern indie games have been able you know the retro moniker right it's they've taken those um design cues but made the games feel modern and added modern things to them and shovel knight not only did that but it felt like an 8-bit game like if you go back and play a lot of the nes games we grew up with and loved at the time they don't feel so good <laughs> you know it's they're no, not I, great to go back to and that's what it felt like playing shovel knight it's like this game is not very good by today's standards i don't know if people were just giving it a pass because it gave them that you I know, think it's nostalgia. Nostalgia, yeah. So yeah, I, I, don't I think know. it's nostalgia that more than anything else. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I've gone back and I've played a couple of games, you know, you know, from my childhood, and I was like, man, this game really wasn't that great, no. <laughs> you know. But I loved it at the time. <clears throat> Yeah. So, Bert, any comment, or should I kind of keep it moving here? Yeah, the only comment I'll say is really quick: is it's it's crazy how much it's selling um, because now it's coming out on all platforms, including mm -hmm. Switch. So um, it, it is crazy. I did give it a try back in the day. It wasn't for me. I'm I'm one of the few people that is not a huge fan of retro gaming unless there's something new. So I'm not going to be the type of person that goes back and plays an 8-bit game that is trying to do something different. So um, I didn't mind it. I, however, I, I I'm also with you. I don't understand how it sells so well for such a a, a weird game. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so the next one is, is, and this was a funny one. So I said, Pokemon Go. And the first thing uh, you asked, Bert, you know, appropriately was, well, that was a, a free game. And I said, yeah, it was. Um, but because as with all free games, right, um, you can buy things in it. I actually looked this up. It was the fastest game in history to reach $1 billion in revenue. And at its peak, it was making nearly $20 million a day. God. Um, it is still today, you know, way after launch now, many people, you know, tens of millions have probably dropped off of playing it. It is still making $2 million a day right now. Um, it, it's not even a game. I don't, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't understand that the Pokemon name just has such a powerful uh, thing behind it. There's so many people that are obsessed with Pokemon. Um, my kid, you know, I think everyone in the world probably tried that game at one point. It reached, you know, hundreds no, and hundreds no. of millions of downloads. Did it even reach a billion? I don't know. Um, but it, it was such a, a ridiculous kind of uh, thing. And they've made some updates to it, I know, to try and add some features. But it's still just, um, I, it's another one of those, I, I even feel ashamed to call it a game because I don't even look at it as a game. It was a really bizarre thing. And... Uh, for something that you know started out as a project like it did, and they slapped a Pokemon name on it, and it was it's made you know one and a half billion dollars or whatever it's it is, it's just astounding to me. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that played it, including my wife. <laughs> she would play it in the car when we were driving somewhere and pick it up. But one of the funny things is here in the states, uh, a lot of people have dropped off that game, and a lot of people are like ah, it's gone. Uh, no, you should see what it's doing in the Asian countries. It's yeah. still making crazy money, and it's all from microtransactions, as you were saying. So that still kind of amazes me. So uh, I'm probably like the only person in America that has never played, done <laughs> anything dealing with Pokemon ever. Um, I don't understand it. That this maybe it's a generational gap or something like that. Even when Pokemon was still a bunch of cards, you know, I was rolling on. I was like, "That's stupid." But you know, not to insult people that are that are playing Pokemon. Obviously, you know, if it's if it's something that you enjoy, you know, whatever lights you rock it. I hope you continue to enjoy it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, I didn't understand. Pokemon, so I obviously didn't understand Pokemon Go even even more, and it's just one of those things where, yeah, to be honest with you, I think that those types of games, those freemium games and things like that, you have to be very careful because they tap into the gambling side of of our human predispositions, and really, I think that that's why those games are selling, you know, or not selling, but why why they're making such ridiculous amounts of money more than anything else. You know, you keep dangling that carrot in front of somebody and making it seem like it's something that somebody wants, and uh, people just keep just throwing money at it, just throwing money at their phones or their screens. I don't understand it, you know, but I, I can't ever see myself ever playing something like that ever. Yeah. So it, I, I thought it was a very cool social experiment, um, and it, it did a lot of neat things of bringing people together, you know, for a time period. But in terms of the money it made, it's just crazy. And then I didn't really have a third game here. I just had a note for myself to say licensed games in general. You know, I think all of us who have gamed for a long time have seen licensed games come and go, and 98% of the time, I'm just throwing that out there, they're bad. You know, Enter the Matrix was a perfect example. Um, all of the early superhero games and, uh, you know, movie tie-in games, it's very rare that we see one that has a very uh, high level of production. So I, I wanted to comment here that, you know, those are usually terrible. And I think the 
the great hope right now is Spider-Man on, on PlayStation 4 to see if that is finally, you know, a, a game that's worthy of something like Spider-Man uh, to see if that really comes through. But just in general, licensed games have been terrible over the years, and it's kind of a shame. Atari, yet, yet they sell really well, right? You know, because of the licenses. So, are there Atari ET. <coughs> yeah, ET is a, a classic, probably the classic example. Right, that's, that's, yeah, the, the, definitely the classic. <laughs> Which I owned. I owned and played it. Oh so. wow! So do I. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I didn't bury mine in Mexico, but you know. What would any of y'all can think of any licensed game that probably was decent? I mean, I know um, GoldenEye was a big one. Oh, GoldenEye was probably yeah. the best example. There was a Hulk game on the original Xbox. Ooh, I forget Ultimate the name Destruction. It. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, there's been some decent ones. Um, Chronicles of Riddick was pretty good. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was go. fantastic. Did there you mean go. this one here? Ains, right here, this one? Yeah, Yeah. there you go. <laughs> nice. I have nice. this one. Yeah, so there, there's been some good ones, but if you think about the number of licensed games we get on an annual basis, how many are good, it's a very small percentage. So let's let's hope the Spider-Man can change that. That was it for me. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, guys. And so we're going to make this uh, second segment a little quicker. Uh, we're going kind of long on it. So, Jordan, let's start out with you. What are um, great games that didn't sell? Uh, I, I, I divided mine up into categories. Uh, you know, one would be PlayStation, another Xbox, another PC. It doesn't matter which generation. Uh, for my uh, first game, uh, I felt that uh, Valkyria Chronicles on the PlayStation 3 was just an absolutely amazing game um, for what it was. If uh, you haven't had the opportunity to actually uh, pick that up and play it, and you can actually get it on the, on the PC now on Steam, I would highly recommend... Um, you know, people going and playing it, it sort of did a almost an, an alternate history on maybe uh, World War II. Um, there were some very complex themes in it. Uh, the cutscenes had just beautiful sort of a watercolor painting effect to how they did it. The characters were great. The gameplay was great. Um, I thoroughly in, enjoyed um, enjoyed that game. Um, well, I'll stop there and let you guys, if y'all, either of y'all played it, I don't know if either of you played that, played that game. Have not, no. It is, it is on my to-buy list, and if you're interested in this game, Jordan, also something to add to it. It's also available as a remaster on PS4. Uh, they did remaster it, and so I think it's even uh, cheaper than, obviously, the $59.99 title. I think it's around $29.99 new. It is on my to-buy list. I've seen it many times. I've almost bought it, and I always try to get other things, but I, I, I'm going to change that and probably buy that. Yeah, it was it was I really thoroughly enjoyed it um, enough to where I actually repurchased it on the PC. So um, the next game that I think that was a, just an amazing game, especially for the time that it came out, uh, was the Steel Battalion that was on the Xbox 360. Um, original Xbox it was, Jordan. Well, oh, yeah, original Xbox. I keep saying making that mistake. It was on the original <laughs> Xbox. Uh, when that came out, I, I see I never owned the original Xbox at the time. Uh, you know, I was riding PlayStation pretty hard, uh, and I said, uh, "I said, you know, there's no way in the world that Microsoft is ever going to, you know, be able to compete with with Sony and, and the Sony PlayStation." You know, but uh, uh, I, I had a buddy of mine. I never owned Steel Battalion. I wanted to own Steel Battalion, but the thing that made that game so just amazing was this $200 controller that you could get. You had to buy a $200 controller, and it was only used for one game. And if you if you go, if you go and you just look up 
the controller for this thing. I mean, it's, it's it was a mech game, and it was like absolute am- amazing how just it was just amazing. I my buddy bought it over. I had a big screen TV. He slapped it down. We sat down on the couch. There was an entire startup routine that you had to you know go through, like in the movies when like Han Solo's <laughs> like flipping all the switches to start up the Millennium Falcon. That's what you're doing in order to start this mech up. And he and during the time, man, I was just absolutely blown away. Uh, yeah, I think I told you guys earlier. I, I wanted to like take him out and just stab him to death and bury him in the backyard so that I <laughs> so I could keep this thing because it was amazing. Um, but uh, I, I think that that was one of those games uh, that you know just didn't sell for obvious reasons, uh, being that the controller was two hundred dollars and then you had to pay another um, you know I think sixty dollars I think for for the time for the for the actual game itself. So like two hundred was at least a two hundred fifty dollar investment for a single game. Yeah, so I um, a couple funny things on Steel Battalion. I have held the controller. I haven't played the game, but I've held the controller. Uh, it is pretty amazing. It was amazing at the time. I think still to this day, it is the biggest game box ever made, like when you bought the whole contraption. Um, and uh, Phil Spencer, I remember at this E3, actually, he was giving an interview and Steel Battalion came up and he kind of laughed about it. And he said, yeah, that was just a great business decision, wasn't it? <laughs> joking, <laughs> just joking about, you know, like, as you said, like, who's going to buy this? You know, there's that super small percentage of hardcore people who bought it. And sadly, you know, if I was as I am now, I would buy it today. Uh, I wish I had bought it. I haven't even looked up, Berta or Jordan. I don't know if you guys have looked up what like a a complete copy of that game is worth, but I'd have to imagine it's kind of a collector's item nowadays. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> he says that he'll never part with his. Yeah, I wish I had one. Honestly. I, I've tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to get him to part with it. But an um, amazing game. Yeah, I'm actually um, exactly as you guys. Um, I I never bought it. I I not. However, I was a huge original Xbox adopter. Um, I just didn't have the the funds to buy a two hundred dollar game with a controller. Yeah. Or did I have a place to put the controller to play while I was gaming on it? I was you know living by myself at that time and younger. Um, but one of the funny things is the um, the controller was awesome. My buddy had one. I went to his place and he had the whole setup with everything in this big screen and it played awesome. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And funny enough, when uh, Jordan did mention this the other day when we were chatting about it, I did look up how much the controller goes for. Um, it goes for about $300. So it's actually not not out of control. If you think about it, it's actually almost what it is if you adjust for inflation um, new. Um, and that's with a game. So if you can get like uh, the actual game uh, and an unopened box, you're looking at about four to 500 bucks, but you can get the wow. controller used. Yeah, so uh, you can I'm, find it on Craigslist. I'm actually looking right now. There's two copies on eBay that are complete, meaning, you know, with the box and manual and game and everything, and they're both 400. Yeah. Wow. Four, four to five is what I've seen when I initially looked. But if yeah. you just want the controller, <laughs> but funny enough, the game is like only 10 bucks if you find it by itself. And <laughs> and if you're if you're looking, um, and make sure, uh, kind of what Jordan confused, it is not the 360 version. The 360 yeah. version is horrible. It's a Kinect game, isn't it? It is yeah, a Kinect game. That was a turd. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was bad. It's known as like one of the worst Connect games ever because the Connect uh, gestures do not pick up what you're doing. So if you're looking for it and you're listening, look for the original Xbox version with the controller. Apparently, it's still fun to play from what I what I've read. So yeah, the, 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 the disappointing part about it is I can't even say necessarily disappointing, but man, it was such a missed opportunity because 
you know, just like a steering wheel, if I were to purchase a steering wheel for, for a game, I would like to believe that that steering wheel would be able to be used for multiple ga racing games that are on that platform. That's, you know, what the expectation is. And I think that, you know, that controller's cost, if, if there were other mech games you know, that were coming out that I could use that controller for, I think I probably would have actually tried to go ahead and, and pick up something like that, you know, especially if it would be, you know, I could have used it with not only the Xbox, but the Xbox 360 or the Xbox One. Sort of just like, I don't know, um, what are the uh, uh, the music games that are, you know, the guitars and the drum oh, sound. Rock band. Rock yeah, band rock band. Guitar, guitar Hero. Yeah, and Guitar Hero, you know, you can at least move those and transition those to to different platforms. You know, I think that I think that the game would have done much much better if people would have known I could have used this with something else. But when you go and you say, uh, yeah, two hundred dollars, and you can only use it for this one game, you know, I don't think that people, you know, were willing to, you know, to make that uh, that investment. Yep. Um, for my PC choices, you know, I had a lot of games. Uh, uh, down here, I had uh, uh, going way back, you know, Free Space One and Two uh, back during the, you know, the uh, uh, space sim era, space flight sims. Um, I had uh, Alpha Protocol, uh, which uh, was uh, a really good game for the time period that you know got some bad press, but I thought it was a great game. Uh, another game was called Spec Ops: The Line. That was a mm -hmm. superb game, excellent story. I would highly oh, yeah. recommend anybody. Uh, you know, go and play that game. You will love the game, I guarantee it, uh, as far as the storyline. Uh, but I settled on one, um, and that was called Planescape Torment, uh, which was an RPG um, a number of years ago. I, I don't remember what year it came out with. Uh, but I felt that during that time period, the story for it was just absolutely amazing for that time, uh, for the time period. It's back during sort of a, the Baldur's Gate uh, era of RPGing. Um, and, uh, I really enjoyed that game, uh, but it just didn't sell. And the funny thing about it is, is I think that the main reason why the game didn't sell was because of the box in all honesty. I think that the, if you go and you look at the box art, um, for, uh, Planescape Torment, it really did not give... It, it wasn't it wasn't a good uh, well-designed box and i think that when people were seeing it on the shelf they were like eh looks like kind of a horror game or something like that and i was one of those you know i went and i saw it i think at the time babbage's was still a, you know a uh, <laughs> yeah a, a a store in the mall that i could go to and and look at the box of the game and i was looking at it and i kept seeing it there and it was always on the shelf because obviously it wasn't selling um, and then one of the guys that was there said, Hey man, you know, you should really try Planescape. You know, it's, it's one of these great games. So I, I took a, a risk on, it. I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I like the Baldur's Gate and the Icewind Dale games. And I tried it and I was absolutely blown away at how good the game was. Uh, but it just didn't sell, did not sell. One of the greatest RPGs that I think has ever been made that didn't sell. Yeah, I, I did look at the reviews for it. It looked like it had awesome reviews. I, I have never played it or heard of it, so that might be bad marketing or whatever it was. At the same time, I wasn't a huge PC gamer at that time, so um, yeah, I wouldn't know about it, Jordan, but it looks really cool. Even the box art looks cool, and I, I'm a big starts. Yeah, I, I think that it's also one of those ones that, in all honesty, you could literally pick up today and play today, and, and you'd be fine wow. with it. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, honestly, because I was PC gaming uh, quite a bit at the time. I loved Baldur's Gate, um, so and I had heard of it, but I, I have never played it myself. So, uh, you know, maybe that's one I check out at some point when I finish the other 900 games I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. That's my list. Okay, um, so as Bert said, we, we have a tendency to kind of just chatter back and forth, which makes our, our um, episodes long here, so I'll try Sorry. to keep mine quick. No, it's not just you, it's all of us, which is great. <laughs> I, I think we've said it before, we have great conversation, but uh, you know, we, we, we do go on at times, so I'm going to make mine quick here, and you guys, I'm going to talk about all three, and then you guys can comment on them if you have anything to input. So my three that I put on here, two are recent, one's a little older. The first is Sunset Overdrive. It's an exclusive game on the Xbox One by Insomniac Games. It is a b bizarre yet fantastically creative game. Uh, just completely out there, um, but a ton of fun to play. Uh, it's very creative. It's very colorful. Yeah, the mechanics are blast once you get used to them. It had a hilarious story and writing, and um, really enjoyed that. But it sold something like 300,000 copies in the, in the first couple weeks, and they even marketed it with a Xbox console bundle and all these things. And so, you know, with newer games, we really don't know how well it sold exactly um, due to all the retail bundles and digital sales. But most of the consensus is that it, it just didn't sell well, which is a shame. Um, the second one is Psychonauts. So again, going back to me being a big platformer fan, Psychonauts was released on the original Xbox and PlayStation 2 um, by uh, Double Fine. Um, and it sold something like 100,000 copies, you know, uh, in the first couple of weeks, which actually created a huge financial loss for Majesco, the publishing partner at the time. And Majesco actually went under <laughs> uh, shortly thereafter. So it was a, considered a, a huge disaster. And it is a shame because it's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best platforming games ever made. It is simply fantastic. Great sense of humor, incredibly creative. Um, and what's funny about it, uh, I put this on the list, but now it has been re-released. You can buy it on PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 3. Um, it's been re-released on PC. And it's now sold something like 2 million copies because it kind of became a cult classic. And um, there's a follow-up to it on PlayStation VR right now. Uh, which is a, an upcoming um, prequel, if you will, or a, a middle ground before Psychonauts 2 comes out next year, which is a uh, crowdfunded game. So people had been asking for Psychonauts 2 for years and years, myself included, and Double Fine went on FIG and, um, and actually funded it. So Psychonauts 2 is finally coming, and I think that that series may finally get the attention it deserves. And then lastly, uh, a really recent one is Dishonored 2. So Dishonored 2 came out uh, at a bad time late last year when there was just way too many games releasing. Um, it got Game of the Year talk. It got fantastic reviews. A lot of people I respect in the industry were talking about how good it is. And yet, despite all of that, it sold something like nearly 40% less than Dishonored 1 did when it first released. Um, and it just kind of it went you know down in price very quickly, and it just didn't seem to to sell at the level that uh, you know near what it deserved or what they had hoped. So those are my three. I don't know if you guys want to touch on any of them. <clears throat> uh, let's see. The first one that you said was Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive. You know, Sunset Overdrive was. Uh, I had a choice when I was getting my Xbox, my second Xbox One. I had a choice. And the choice for it was I could either get that 
where I can get Assassin's Creed Unity. Oh my God, you chose poorly. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and I and I chose Unity. Um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if, if I you know, I don't know if I would have changed my mind because again, like I said, I like the Assassin's Creed franchise, you know. And don't get me wrong, I think Unity had enough. <clears throat> Uh, redeeming qualities to actually play through the game, <clears throat> so I don't know if I would have, I, I still would have changed my mind there, but I would speculate that that's probably one of the reasons as to why it also didn't, you know, wasn't able to sell as many copies as Unity did, you know, because of the bundle. I don't know, maybe. Um, but I never played that game, but I did hear from another friend of mine who played it. He said he thought it was a great game for a launch title. Psychonauts. Uh, you know, on our other form that we were talking about uh, earlier, uh, we were on another form that we used to talk on uh, on a regular basis. I had stated that I had picked up Psychonauts for Steam. And I know that you were a big Psychonauts fan, and you actually commented about it on the forums of how great a game it was. And the interesting thing is, is that's not the only time in which I have played, tried to play Psychonauts. I actually went and I picked it up earlier um, on one of the platforms. I can't remember which one. It might have been the PlayStation that I tried playing it. And I was never able to get into it, so I went and I, I bought it. And I was like, man, maybe I, my my you know taste have changed or whatever. Maybe I just wasn't in the right mood to sort of play that type of game or whatever. So I picked it up on the PC, and dude, I swear to you, I got to about the same point, and I lost interest in the game. And I still couldn't give you the exact reason as to why that is. There's nothing that was like necessarily wrong with the game, but. Um, it might have been maybe the bizarre art style or something. I thought the dialogue was very good. Um, but I just lost interest in that game for some reason. I've, I still got it on Steam, so maybe one day, you know, maybe I'll, you know, go back and play it when I'm too old to play anything else. <laughs> but, but for the moment, I, was, I wasn't able to do it. And Dishonored, I'm, uh, Dishonored 2, I'm actually sad to see that uh, to be the case. I did not know that Dishonored 2 uh, did so terribly because I actually really enjoyed Dishonored 1. I thought that was a very good game. Yeah, and 2 supposed to be just that much better. And, you know, here I am complaining it didn't sell, and I haven't bought it yet. So I'm, I'm yeah. you know, one of the issues. It just came out at the wrong time, in my opinion. Yeah. What was it going up against? It was. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty and... Um, what I, everything that came out in the fall, it came out right in the middle of all of it. Yeah, I think that was bad timing on their part. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost ironic that you forgot uh, what you didn't like about Psychonauts because there's a character in the game that has memory problems and he can't remember. Just uh, <laughs> just kind of funny. Uh, I love Psychonauts. It was one of my favorite games of the original Xbox and that entire generation. So I actually bought it twice because um, so I ended up. So it was kind of crazy, um, but I, I'm so happy that they're doing it too. It was almost like a, like a Beyond Good and Evil two when that got announced officially, and their trailer is the same reaction for me when it was crowdfunded. So I, I liked it. Um, I actually bought Sunset Overdrive late, um, not at launch, and it's one of my favorite games on Xbox One. If I was to create a top twenty list, it would be up there. Um, to give people an idea of, it was kind of a failed experiment as the Xbox One exclusive, and now Insomniac is doing Spider Man. Um, for the PS4, so it's only exclusive there now. So it'd be curious to see if some of the mechanics are shared over, and if people play Spider-Man and are like, wow, this is really good mechanic-wise, maybe I'll give Sunset Overdrive a chance, because it's a very similar movement as far as the way Spider-Man moves and the fluidity of stuff, and the weapons and stuff are hilarious. The 
responses. It's it's almost like an homage to gaming in, in, in a certain way. So if mm -hmm. you haven't picked it up, it is you can pick it up under fifteen bucks, brand new. It's it's, it's a great game and, and almost a must play. Um, so I, I I enjoy that one a lot. It's amazing that they could do that from a launch title. Um, enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, the last one that you had on there was Dishonored Two. Um, it is on my to buy list. Um, I've exactly what you said. I have a lot of people I respect and follow on social media and some of the channels I follow had it as their game of the year uh, for was it 2016 yeah, it had to be yeah. 2016. Yeah, it was so um, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see if it's going to get any Xbox One X support as far as patches go, but it might be such an old release that they may not touch on some of the stuff. It does have some pro enhancements, so mm -hmm. I may just pick it up if I'm going to be playing it sooner than later uh, for the PlayStation 4. So we'll see how it is. But it's crazy how how poor it's sold. Yeah, I, it's on my to buy list as well. I mean, I, I played the first one. I enjoyed it. I, I will be picking it up. I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. Anything you want to close up, Baines, or are you good on your No, on your I'm good. You go with okay. yours. Yeah, I'll make mine super quick. Bad selling great games for me. Um, if I could almost make an entire console, uh, is the Wii U first-party catalog is fantastic. Um, almost every single first-party game that released on the Wii U is AAA, a 9 or a 10 in, in my world, but I can't do that. So um, I'm going to just talk about a few games really quick. Um, the first one's kind of the biggest one that has come out in recent times that has sold really poor. Uh, for whatever reason, there's a bunch of reasons, and I, I probably blame the publisher more than anything. It's Titanfall 2. Um, a lot of people complain that the first one was just you know multiplayer and didn't have any story, even though they had a few story elements. When you're playing multiplayer, they were kind of experimenting with that, and it was kind of funny because a lot of people don't actually play campaigns in Call of Duty and Battlefield, so the developer purposely just had a multiplayer game for that, and people still complain. So uh, people are going to complain in any realm anyways. But it uh, Titanfall 1 sold decently well for it being an exclusive um, console-wise, um, but Titanfall 2 sold really bad. And they came back, um, the developers, and made it also PlayStation um, available. The first one was just Xbox, like I mentioned. They added a great campaign. If you have not touched the campaign for Titanfall 2, it's actually really good. Um, and they had a whole bunch of great ideas with the gameplay, and the story was good. Um, and the um, kind of relationship between you and your Titan is done really well, as, as weird as that sounds. Um, but it only sold 2.63 million across all platforms, um, including PC. It didn't do very well and was kind of a surprise for people. There's a lot of reasons. Like I said, I blame the publisher for, number one, not advertising it very well and it not doing very well in that realm. Um, and the one on here is Alien Isolation. Um, I love this game. Um, I think what a lot of people thought it was is you kind of get in there and just guns blaze all these aliens um, nonstop, and, and it kind of picks up off of Alien, the original one with the Sigourney Weaver. Um, and you're, you play as her daughter. Um, and so I'm not going to give you any kind of spoilers on it, but this is not a you know, shoot them up FPS game where you just go blaze everybody down. It's more of a tactical moving from area to area. The level design is amazing. The story and it's amazing. The graphics when it came out was really, really well done. If you pick it up on PC, it looks even more beautiful. Um, I'd be interested to see if it gets any patches, but it's such an older game and they didn't sell very well that it probably won't get patches for the Pro or the Xbox One X, but it was fantastic. It was one of my favorite games of the year that it came out. Um, and my last one, uh, quick about Alien Isolation. Um, it also came out last gen. So it came out with Xbox One, PS4, PC, and then it came out 360 and PS3 also. So it, it can be bought all over the place. And even then, it still sold really bad. Um, my last one is JRPGs in general, but the one I want to touch on, because it's the only one that I've played um, that is 
amazing to me is Persona 5. Um, in my opinion, it should be in the Game of the Year talks this year. Um, I'm about 10 hours into it. I made the mistake of starting the game when I said I wouldn't because I have such a, a massive backlog. Um, and now I'm hooked. Um, and I've, I've seen that the game can take north of 100 hours to get through, and that's just the basics. If you want to play the, the massive part of the game, it's you know north of 200 to 150 hours. Um, so I'll see if I even get that far. Um, another one that I haven't bought yet that I want to buy because um, of the type of game it is, is Neo. Um, and to give you an idea on how bad these have sold, Neo sold less than 700,000 units and is probably one of the best games on PS4 right now. And Persona 5 um, is under a million, and it's probably one of the best games that we're going to see this entire generation. And that's with the massive Asian uh, purchasing market that buys Persona no matter what. So um, does at the end of the day, but those are those are my big three. Um, what are your thoughts? Did you guys play any of these? I have not played a single one. I do want to you know, speak a little bit on, on, on some of the things that you were saying. From somebody that hasn't played any of the games, and I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of Titanfall. I didn't play the first Titanfall. But, dude, I swear I did not see hardly any advertising for Titanfall 2. Yep. I didn't see any banner ads on any game sites. I didn't see any advertisements on television. I didn't see any advertisements in any magazines whatsoever. I played the demo. You know, I was like, ah, it's pretty good, you know, but I never really got around to it. And I think, again, uh, part of the problem is also the release window um, because it's going up against such stiff competition uh, during that uh, period of time of the year. And, of course, there, like we said earlier, there's the Call of Duty effect. Um, and then you also had the new Battlefield 1 that was releasing. And I, I really think that most people, most gamers, they are going to buy probably one first-person shooter every single holiday season. And it's going to be dependent upon what their friends are. And that might have been the one that was just left out this year. Um, but I, I didn't see any advertising. I agree. I think that was it was totally advertised. And that's why it didn't sell very well. Uh, Alien Isolation, I did not play. Um, but I you know, read a lot about it. Uh, it looked like it was pretty interesting. I was like, eh, it looks like it's pretty good. But I think that the reason why that actually didn't sell was because of Alien Colonial Marines which yeah. I believe was released the year before. And that game was so bad and got such bad press. I think that probably a lot of people just flat out stayed away from it because they didn't trust it. And Persona 5, I have absolutely no idea what that game is about, but I keep hearing people talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. It's definitely okay. a Japanese game. That's all I'm going to tell you. Ains, go ahead. Yeah, so I uh, I own and have played all these games, um, including most of the Wii U first-party catalog. Um, so Titanfall 2, I was a huge Titanfall 1 fan. Titanfall 2, I was really looking forward to. As you said, the campaign was excellent. Uh, the multiplayer is excellent with some caveats, in my opinion. Uh, you know, a lot of the Titanfall 1 kind of hardcore guys like myself didn't like the map design in Titanfall 2. Um but other than that, the game is is excellent, and it, it certainly was a victim of its release schedule. Releasing right between Call of Duty and Battlefield 1 was just a huge mistake by EA. I don't know what they were thinking there, um, and I kind of feel bad for Respawn because they're a great developer. They support the fans. All the DLC for the game is free. Um, they're a great community, you know, uh, so I, that's just a shame. Alien Isolation, your point was funny, Bert, because I'm thinking you're saying, you know, people, and to Jordan's point, too, thinking going in, aliens, guns blazing. I'm like, well, did they even read the damn title? It's Isolation. We're not talking. It's not Alien War. 
Um, so it was, as you said, it was more a survival horror game. And I know you've pressed me because I've only played it briefly. And I know you've pressed me to, to get through it. And I really need to do that. So hoping to get back to that at one point. Persona 5, I've actually already talked about. Uh, I, I own the collector's edition for it. It's a fantastic game. I've got something like 30, 35 hours into it and, um, you know, still still working through it. And Neo is also a fantastic game. Uh, it's almost like Samurai Souls. Um, I wrote some impressions on it, actually, that are on the site. And uh, I enjoyed a lot. I, I think it actually has better loot and better character design than the Souls series. Uh, but I think the level design is worse. So it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag of if you're a souls fan i think uh, like it's it's more of an arpg in terms of loot which i love of course um but the level design is more of a singular levels on a map that you go to so you go to one level then the next and they're rather small whereas uh, i love in dark souls games that it's more of one huge connected world and neo doesn't do that so it's still a great game um that's it cool well that's those are my three guys 